Welcome to our Lead to Succeed podcast, where we share leadership and business growth insights, both from our own experiences and that of our guests. We're the hosts. I'm Rebecca Jenkins, founder of Argen, helping companies to grow by finding, gaining and growing the best clients. And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business, you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode. Welcome back to our listeners. Thank you very much for joining us again. I'm not sure what edition we are at, but it's definitely into the 90s now. So thank you for joining us. And today we have Nick Johnson with us. And we're going to be talking about executive loneliness. So if you're a business owner leading a team, sometimes it can feel a little bit lonely. So we're going to look into that and discuss that today with Nick. And Nick is the founder and uh, chief executive officer of EGN. And that stands for Executive Global Network. And Nick, this is a professional network for peers dedicated to making each other better. And I really love that as an approach. So very big welcome to you, Nick. Thank you so much, Rebecca and Callum, for inviting me to be with you today. And you're from Singapore. You're dialing in from Singapore today. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Very nice to have you on the podcast, Nick. Looking forward to, to having a chat with you. We caught up briefly ahead of it and record about doing some triathlons and Ironman. So we've got a few things in common there. And um, yeah, really looking forward to having a discussion with you around uh, leadership and, and all things business today. So I guess to, to kick things off, um, in terms of in terms of leadership, we kind of touched upon this briefly before we started the call. What do you think you know great leadership looks like to you? And what would you say kind of like the main attributes of a really good or effective leader? Well, according to me, the most important uh, for a leader is to create a safe space for your team members. Team members should feel that they are part of something where they can speak up. They can learn from their failures. And rather than being blamed for something when they do something wrong, uh, they can actually share the failure. And the key is to share what is it they learned from these failures for the colleagues to learn from that. That is what I think is the most important of leadership, actually. Uh, you know we kind of touched upon this in in some previous podcasts actually we you know the, we recorded one just yesterday and we sort of talked about like the inverted pyramid where the leaders are there to really support the sort of frontline employees and helping them get the best out of them do their job as well as they can because they're the ones that have the skills to, to do that do you think that like how, how common do you think that sort of approach is in businesses today do you feel like a lot of employees feel like they're in a safe space with their leaders or do you feel like they're kind of a bit maybe apprehensive to, to put a foot wrong Well, we still have a long way to go there. And especially here where I'm based in Asia, where, you know, it's it's been more of a hierarchy, more of closed door approach. So I'm really working hard over here in in Southeast Asia to promote this sort of open door policy and so on, where actually it's a strength of showing weaknesses and to be vulnerable. And I always said that this has to start from the top. It has to be the leader themselves to show vulnerability first. You cannot simply expect the middle manager coming into the boss to tell tell them that they're going through a difficult time if the boss have never been vulnerable with the rest of the team. Have you got any examples, Nick, where that conversation has opened up and has led to something very positive in the organization because the leader has taken that initial initiative, which I guess is probably quite bold and brave even um, to, to take that approach? 
Yes, I do have indeed uh, an example of this because the book I wrote on executive loneliness is full of these stories. And I, I can immediately think of one woman who I interviewed for the book who is a managing director for a big international bank. And she had worked her way up uh, through the career ladder. And uh, she, what, she, what she didn't share and knew one knew was that she felt quite lonely inside. Everyone looked at her as the star, the one who always performed, who delivered. She lived in a beautiful home, had a car. Uh, even the kids had their own nannies here. And she belonged to the best gyms and so on. And she seemed to really have it all. And everyone was just jealous on her. But as I interviewed her for the book, she started to open up a little bit. And she was telling me she felt lonely, both at work, because no one invited her to come with her for the lunch break. And while the team went on their own, she was not a part of that crew. So and they simply didn't know that they should invite her. Um, what I was surprised about, though, was that the week after the interview, she contacted me again. And she said, Nick, can I meet you again? Because I want to share a little bit more. And I couldn't believe how much she started to open up then. And it led so to after this that she actually wanted to see a counselor and a therapist to talk through her challenges because the space she was in was in a very, very dangerous space. And this was in the beginning of the pandemic when we had lockdowns and so on. And as of a result of this journey where she decided to open up first to me, then to a counselor, and then she decided to open up to her husband at home also about this, she then decided to have an all hands meeting with her team where she opened up to them and shared how she felt inside. And that basically changed the culture of her team overnight. Uh, this particular team went through the pandemic where everyone sharing openly when they went through a difficult time. And today she's saying that they, they have a most wonderful company culture in her team. And this is a lady who worked in the same department for 12 years where it was a close culture for, uh, for 10 years and just the last two years it opened up. So it is possible. And that's a fantastic story to share. Thank you for that. What did what did you really learn from that? Can you share any of that? Because I can imagine it stopped her feeling lonely, um, which is one of the themes that we want to touch on for today. Yes, I mean, the learning for her was to not keep these secrets uh, to her. And it all started actually when he had, she had a, a cosmetic surgery in, and the scar in her face and she lost a lot of confidence and she started to push away people even more uh, away from her during that time, both at home and at work. And, and in her own words, she said she became bitchy. She just started to elbow people and wanted her way up, uh, aiming for the promotions because that's all she could have. But that was a very lonely place. And she just didn't know how to break that space because once you put yourself in a corner, and I'm sure you all can think about some leaders who, who do that with attitude and they are basically always perhaps blaming other people. And then once you're in that corner, it's very difficult to change personality. You need perhaps some external help. But what happened here was this little, the fact that I was there to interview her on this topic made her think. Uh, so much so that she came back a second time and changed her story and wanted to talk more about it. So I think what it shows that uh, if we are running organizations or companies, we also need to look out for the leaders, the top executives, because they also need someone to talk to and they cannot perhaps do that easily to their teams. Do you think, though, Nick, there is no need for senior executives to feel lonely if they um, approach with their teams and you know share vulnerabilities there is no need to have this kind of executive loneliness going on in organizations 
I think there's much more to it because there's a lot as the senior leaders cannot share with the teams because a lot of things is confidential and they are paid to do the job at the top perhaps to have the challenging decisions and it could be about layoffs it can be all these kind of big decisions that they simply cannot bring to the team so in that sense and this is my space uh, Rebecca where I'm working in and to then have a confidential place outside your workplace as a senior leader where you can discuss this may it be with a coach a mentor or a confidential networking group like the one that I'm working with where you then can feel that you have some someone who can understand you someone who is at your level who you can discuss this with without being blamed and without the confidentiality being breached and in that sense then you don't feel lonely because you have this almost like your own private advisory board mm. that 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 does sound very sensible and, and you know I've been part of those boards and they are incredibly helpful and it's why boards have my executive directors for example isn't it to kind of bring in that different perspective and different level of expertise what sort of practical tips would you give executives who are feeling lonely so one might be to join your network and have that peer group what other tips would you would you give them things that well, they could perhaps implement yeah I think we need to be a bit proactive about this. Don't wait until the time when you feel lonely or when you are sick or when you're not feeling well, because then perhaps it's more challenging. Try to be proactive with this. Build up these support networks before. And I think you, you know you both need a personal network and a professional network. With a personal network, I mean, it can be with close friends and so on that you can discuss personal matters with. And then the professional network can be, as I mentioned, a coach, a mentor, or perhaps a professional network that you belong to where you can discuss it so so do this when you feel great and should it be that it go far and you're having a crash a mental crash or you even go into depression and so on of course there's a lot of help out there and not everything have to be paid for uh, there's a lot of organizations which are on a voluntarily basis I myself, for example, is a volunteer for a suicide prevention agency here in Singapore. And there's all these hotlines which you can call. And it doesn't have to be about suicide. It can be any kind of addiction or challenge or problems. And there's so much out there. You can just look in your local community or look in Google. And there's a lot of volunteers who's willing to help. Nice. I think um, it was, it's, I, I like this conversation around like the culture and kind of building out that um, the, the idea where people feel safe, they have this kind of culture of empowerment and then, you know, it's quite open where you can share your challenges and your vulnerabilities and not have to kind of keep those things bottled up. And I guess a lot of that does kind of come from like the mindset and the, the culture that the, the leader, the senior leadership in the business implements and that kind of like trickles down throughout the rest of the business. In addition to kind of um, being open and sharing those vulnerabilities and having a safe space where employees feel like they can kind of share their mistakes and learn from them, what do you think are the other kind of qualities that perhaps that senior leadership team needs to exhibit, Nick, in order to kind of build out that culture within the business? I do believe that one important quality as well is to, to have gratitude uh, as a leader. We need to show... Uh, you know, gratitude for the things we have in our life, uh, both the personal and the professional, we need to demonstrate this, that we are happy with what we have. And with that means as a leader to show that you actually love your family and your friends and you're supportive of them, but also with your team members that we appreciate them. 
because uh, the workplace is so challenging these days there's so many changes all the time especially with the digitalization and so on and people are also jumping from job to job quicker than before there's gig economy with the mergers acquisitions and so on that the time we have together in the workplace it has to be a good one especially now when we're working from home and there's a lot of trust that need to be there and trust comes from showing gratitude for each other and and being appreciative and so i think that's a, a, a definitely a core quality of a leader today to be able to show appreciation and gratitude do you think that's something that most leaders or most businesses do do well at, at the moment or do you think that's something that people struggle to do because i know for myself like it's important to be grateful but it's not something that i you know often practice on like a on a daily basis no i think companies are mainly kpi driven and, and that's what matters and uh, gratitude often come after as an afterthought and uh, and that's why i mentioned that i think we need more focus on gratitude over kpis because i think if, if we sort the, the the appreciation and the gratitude out the results would be there by itself do you think that the best way to kind of I, what are your thoughts on the best way to, to do that through the team Nick? do you think that's just kind of like sharing the occasion like thank you for your work to your team like praising people up giving like positive feedback and encouragement or do you think there's kind of like a, a different a different approach to that you would take i think it can actually be linked and that's why i mentioned gratitude and kpis at the same time it can be done by gamification and that's something that we have worked hard on in my company now as we're working remotely and from home we set up a lot of kpis which are turned into games so you have daily targets to hit you have weekly you have monthly and even for fresh graduates you come in at the entry level it's linked to a compensation and a pay and rather than you know the yearly bonuses and the 30 years for a gold watch in the past have something that is paid out monthly that everyone feel that they are part of and we celebrate it we go out for a dinner and we have some fun if we can achieve it together so by that you're showing that you appreciate them you're showing gratitude for them and the kpis become something that is fun and not a burden for everyone i think something else that's really nice and i love what you're doing there but sometimes just that kind of thank you and really picking out the one thing that they did that you absolutely loved. And when you receive that, it's quite amazing, isn't it, how you feel? You feel really lifted and appreciated and valued. And that's all part of really showing how grateful you are to have that person in your team. And I think that can also go a very long way. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, there's many ways we can do that. And we, the way we do it with our members also is that we many times share their case study, perhaps on LinkedIn, when you tag them, you're thanking them and tagging them. So it's also shown to other people, uh, perhaps the friends and family and colleagues also see it. Uh, so there's many ways to do that. Or the traditional thank you card is still a, a something that is handwritten stands out these days, doesn't it? It's, uh, it does. it's more personal than an email as well. Yeah, absolutely, Nick. Nick, would you be happy to share um, with our listeners a challenge that you have faced personally, which you know may be linked to the topic of executive loneliness or mental health or whatever you might like it to be, growing a business, and how you've got through that and the lessons that you've learned from it? Yeah, sure. And uh, I live and work in my seventh country now, and I would say the number one challenge I've faced is working in different countries than with a different culture, uh, the, the legal structure, but also the languages, learning a new 
language is very challenging and if you don't learn the language you sort of always feel like an outsider it's difficult to understand what's going on inside the country and so on and i struggle with that I, when i work from uh, uh, when i change job from different countries it's always takes time to settle in and i'm sure you know if you just change, uh, change apartment to a different neighborhood or change to a new company it, it, it's it's a bit of stress to the body to just get used to it and that's actually where I had some of my crashes in life. And uh, I wasn't really ready for it. And what happened in, when I was laid off twice overseas in another country far away from home without then any social safety net there, you're quite exposed. You're losing perhaps your house, which the company have paid for. Suddenly you start to worry, where should I live? And so on. And, and a lot of the legality here comes into play when you're an expat as well, that you know your work permit can even remind, remain in the country. So that is when I, where I struggle. And uh, I share my story in my book, uh, the executive loneliness book, that that's actually, I couldn't hold it together. It led one time to not only loss of my job, but it also led to my divorce. And then my, my wife moved back to my home country with my son. And with that, then I was trying to show that I was a strong leader. I kept doing well in my job and I kept training for my Ironman events and I was the good guy. But after a year, I, I basically collapsed. I couldn't do anything. And, uh, and that was a, a, a full storm and a full crisis. And I kept this also inside. I didn't want to share it with anyone until actually a few years ago when a friend of mine died of a suicide. And that's when I looked back at the situation and realized that I'm glad I managed to overcome. I'm glad it didn't go too bad for me, but I can understand and see how it can go uh, very bad for other people, actually. So I'm, I'm happy to share that uh, as, as a challenging learning for me because I had a good outcome. That's really very interesting because you kept that to yourself, didn't share it. Do you think you would do something differently next time? Should, heaven forbid you should feel, you know, feel in a challenging place again. Would your approach be different? Would that be your learning from it to, to tackle that in a different way? Yes, definitely. I call it the smiling depression in my book. And I think this is something which many entrepreneurs, business owners, and also executives uh, live by. You know, we, we're trying to look good on the outside and it's very difficult to understand what's happening on the inside. We're so much protecting what is happening that, you know, no one really can break through. And in this instance, you know, I, I was just uh, not opening up, not telling anyone about it. I didn't want to talk about it. And, and I didn't, it was only about one and a half year after I had recovered from this episode when I decided to finally start opening up. And for sure, I, I will act very differently these days. I, I will grab it before it becomes such a, 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 such a bad uh, case as it was last time. Do you think there was a fear of exposing yourself in that way and that you would be judged? Was that, was that yes. behind it or something yes. else? Definitely. No, it was the fear of being judged and the fear of looking like a failure. I wanted even my family back home to see, you know, that I was successful and everything was fine. I didn't want them to worry about me. Uh, so I just didn't say anything. Very challenging time. On a perhaps a, on a, on a different note, on a tangent and maybe a slightly more, more, more positive one, you, you touched on there about doing a training for an Ironman leg, which we, you know, we kind of caught up on briefly before hitting record, which I've also done in the past. And we've had some episodes in the past where people have kind of talked about uh, common traits between people in sports and also people in like leadership positions in business. 
do you think anything that you've learned from training for an Ironman and doing that and kind of the perseverance and the determination that comes from that, you can apply aspects of that to like a kind of a professional life as well? Yes, definitely. I, I see it goes hand in hand because not, not only the, the discipline for the training and so on, but also the strategizing. I mean, uh, as you know, then uh, doing an Ironman event, you really cannot just show up without any planning whatsoever. Sure. It's the fourth spot there is the food and the nutrition by itself, right, which we need to train and practice so much for. So I see it definitely interlinked and uh, uh, I, it has great value for me when the way i train i can apply it in work as well and um, of course also the energy we get from it the positive outlook on life and the can-do attitudes and also being an inspiration to your colleagues uh, and helping them to exercise and through my training i'm while i do my training sometimes uh, a little bit to the extreme a lot of it i try to make social I created like a running club in my company where we can run and it's not, it's not up to my speed. It's up to everyone's speed. And, and it's more about doing something together. Nice. Uh, that sounds, uh, yeah, it's definitely a motivating thing, isn't it? I think, you know, it's quite an unusual, not unusual, but it's quite a, an aspirational thing to, to do. So it's nice to hear that it's, it's had that effect in, in your business. And I think, as you said, like the, the discipline side of it, just training kind of day in, day out for such a long period of time as well. You can't just turn up and, and, and do it. So I definitely agree with you on in that regard. I'm interested to just go back to our previous points, Nick. Is the reason why you set up your current business because of the situation that you went through and you felt you wanted to create this safe place for peers to be able to get together and be able to open up? Is, is that the reason behind you starting it? Actually, uh, the company was already there and the business model was there, but uh, I was attracted with it. I was attracted by it. So uh, when the opportunity came up to work for this company, I thought this is perfect for me uh, because the fact that I gone through this journey and that's a lot of that, which I'm talking about in my book about executive loneliness, because I realized then uh, how glad I was to overcome my challenges, but then I wanted moving forward to also help others so if someone is in that space when they're not feeling well uh, my only advice is speak to someone there must be someone you can talk to a friend a colleague or someone or otherwise as i mentioned there's so many of these anonymous organizations you can get the support you need at i think that is the, the key thing isn't it that you don't have to suffer in silence you're not helping yourself really by suffering in silence and I think that we have a much more, we have a much better understanding of that these days than we did, you know, five, 10 years ago, even longer than that. But I, what do you think um, COVID and isolation has, lockdown has taught us about this, Nick? What, well, what I see. I see it as both positive and negatives. The, the negatives, I would say, is that indeed we were locked away. Indeed, we were isolated. And uh, the ones I would say who suffered the most of this are the introverts. The introverts naturally had the perfect excuse uh, to isolate themselves. And I'm an introvert myself, so I know I felt very comfortable with this. But it doesn't mean that it's good for me. It's better for me to make sure that I get out once or twice a day to have a lunch, to have a meeting, to meet some people. But during the lockdowns, we, we introverts then had a perfect excuse to hide. And uh, if you take it even one step further, all the people who were suffering for addiction, may it be a, a, a gambling, drugs, or whatever it could be, those addiction would have been amplified. You will isolate easily. 
and abuse the addiction and you wouldn't break out because many addictions you need to go to see people in support groups to talk and get your support and help but when that was happening on zoom everyone can hide and behind the camera it's about showing up a lot of the times to block that time of the day to go there and get support you need so in that instance it's been very challenging the positive thing though is that uh, while many people were perhaps uh, scared to go to see a counselor therapist before the fact that we do so much on zoom these days you can actually book a session on your saturday or sunday and do it from your own home without anyone finding out or if you have an office maybe you can do it during your lunch break have a, a session for half an hour and and lock the door and no one has to find out so that's what i heard from many of the my friends who are counselors they are busier than ever and a lot of the clients are people who never ever would consider doing this before and i think it is socially acceptable now to also say that yeah i'm going through a difficult time i i'm talking to a therapist who's helping me with that and that was not the case a few years ago uh, so yeah that's what i say i think uh, overall a positive experience and i think we're moving in the right direction covid escalated this I think as you mentioned earlier on that, you know, the best time to, to do that is when you are actually feeling good and you're not kind of down or uh, upset or whatever it might be. And, and, you know, like we often hear, you don't have to talk to a therapist or a counsellor when things are going bad, do you? Like it's, you know, totally fine to just do that because you want to talk to someone, you know, when things are good and share your thoughts with them. So I think, um, as you said, it is definitely kind of more acceptable and kind of widespread to to do that now, I guess, or socially acceptable anyway. Yeah. Well, Sorry. Uh, Nick, for somebody who's stepping into a leadership role, maybe for the first time, what advice would you would you give them? And uh, maybe perhaps a better question might be, what would you do differently when you were younger, knowing what you know now? Well, I, I think uh, I would probably say what the most would say, but it starts by being a great listener. I think when we are young, we come in and we're always so hungry to prove that what is it we can do rather than listening to see uh, what we can learn from others. So I think uh, that's definitely the first one. The second one, if I had a chance again, would be, and I'm touched on this before, is to have a mentor. I didn't have a mentor outside my organization during my career. You might be given someone internally who is a sponsor or a buddy who's taking you through there, but have a mentor outside your work. And again, there's many organizations where you can get this through volunteer organizations. So you have someone when you go home, perhaps, or, uh, you know, your second night and you're feeling a bit of cramp in the belly because you're worried and you're not really sure. Did you have to say the right thing just to have someone then uh, to proactively talk to about the experience would definitely be, be useful. And then thirdly, perhaps have a professional network have a network who you can actually take this to. So you get that sympathy that you're not alone, that you feel that there's others just like me. Uh, and, and you know, what I'm saying here is that it doesn't have to be uh, one of the charity networks or anything else. Join one professional business organization that is relevant for you and nurture that relationship and, and be there for the other members. Very sound advice. And I know personally that's also worked very well for me. Um, also found that I've made more progress faster when I've had a mentor or a coach who's been there before and, and it's always a privilege to pay it back as well isn't it to help others um, in that situation so it's a it's a great feeling to be able to be a recipient of it and to give as well as as we come to the end of the podcast Nick are there any final thoughts that you would like to leave us with 
thank you very much for sharing and being very open about your experiences and what you're doing now. But so anything you'd like to share and how our audience may get in touch with you? Yes, sure, Rebecca. I would uh, love to share something. And it's a bit linked to what we said before here about joining a network. But if you do join a network, be of service, come with a mindset of looking at how can I help people here? There's actually too many executives who come in very quickly to look what is, what is it for, in for me here? How can I sell myself? How can I sell my product, my services here? They're looking at it as a transaction. And that's not how to join any organization whatsoever. Just see how you can be of service. Be there, take perhaps up a service position. If they have a membership committee, if they have an event committee, join that one and be of service and just let it take time. I say it like a network like this is almost like a life insurance or perhaps a pension that you're in there for a long time. Build deep, meaningful relationships and then the value will be there. And if you've been there for the members to be of service, then they will be there for you when you need it. So that's my tip. And uh, if people want to get uh, in touch with me, they find me very easily on LinkedIn. They can look up Nick Johnson, N-I-C-K, and then it's J-O-N-S-S-O-N. Or my book on Amazon, the bestseller here, Executive Loneliness. If you're going on Amazon, you will definitely find it also in the UK where it was the bestseller on men's health and a few other categories. Fantastic. I'll make sure those links are in the show notes, Nick. It's been a delight to have you. Thank you very much for, for joining us and sharing your wisdom, thought and I, thoughts, experiences and ideas with us, Nick. Much appreciated. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And as always, if you enjoyed it, we welcome a review. And if you have any questions and like to get in touch with us, you can do that at the rgen.co.uk rjen, website.